and you, if you're like me, feel like this past week was the longest year of the month. Y'all feel that? Last week was the longest year of the month. That made no sense, right? That's how you must feel, and that's how I feel. And so we're going to pray and let God nourish our souls. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you continue to meet us in our mess. And so, Lord, there are so many questions surrounding our lives. We feel the weight of it. But, Lord, we just say, we raise our white flag, we surrender, and we say, Lord, have your way in our lives. Just as was mentioned earlier through through our brother Jeremy Riggs, God, it is true that our circumstances don't determine your goodness. In fact, you are good no matter what. And I thank you for the position we have as followers of Jesus, even when our emotions are swaying. So we, we anchor down in you right now, Lord. And I pray that you speak to all of us, even those who are watching for the first time, those who are new to the church, that you speak to us and nourish our soul in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, church. Well, I'm excited to get into the book of Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 with you all. And as you are making your way to that address in your Bible, I want to uh, kind of frame out where we've been this past week. I know uh, this has been a tumultuous time in our nation. Uh, Ever since George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, um, there has been an uproar. And there have been many protests and many gatherings calling for greater accountability among law enforcement and calling for for an end to racism um, because there's a sense of this racially charged violence in particular towards black men and women. And we as a church come in solidarity with the black community. We want to just uh, give our support. We want to say we're weeping with those who weep. We love you all. And and we just, we want to affirm that. Uh, We also want to say and acknowledge the fact that we know there are good law enforcement out there. We love our police officers who took that badge because they care about justice. And so we don't want that to go without saying. Uh, But at the end of the day, these protests, in a large part, are very much justified. Um, These incidences aren't isolated. And we, as a church, need to be that prophetic voice in our broken world saying that the lives of black people matter. And just even the thought that, that, that black lives would feel that their lives don't matter should cause you ache. It, it should cause us to, to feel something in the pit of our stomach. And so we as a church saying we are here for you. We want to affirm that the black lives matter and that we affirm uh, the church being that voice in our society. Um, as these things have come through in these protests... There's been a common chant that has been sounded off in cities throughout our nation and even actually across the world. And if you've been watching the news at all, you've heard the chants, no justice, no peace. N-O, no justice, no peace. And that statement could be interpreted a variety of ways, but it seems that the general consensus is this, that those who are protesting are saying, so long as there won't be justice, There's not going to be peace in this land. We are going to disrupt peace by protesting until we can get justice in our nation. And that is the cry of so many who feel that justice has been delayed and therefore betrayed, right? This is the cry of so many who feel like um, their voices have not been heard. And what we've seen in our nation is those people cry out as protesters, we cry out for more justice. We also want there to be a hearing of our cry. As I was thinking about this very chant, and I'm thinking about what it's crying out, 
I came to see that the heart cry behind this, this chant is not altogether different from the heart cry of our souls. Isn't it fascinating that this idea of justice is intertwined with the idea of peace? And we come to Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we can have what? Peace with God. This, this correlation between God's justice and God's peace. And the cries of protesters is the cries of our heart. But there's one tremendous difference when it comes to us as humans, be spiritually speaking, before God. Is that the justice that is deserved ultimately does not bring peace to us. Because as sinful people, we are the ones who should be the recipients of God's justice. And God's justice means we should be punished. And when we're punished, we're not experiencing peace. There there is a real problem in the human heart. But the good news of Jesus says that this God who is just has also provided a way to take your sin and my sin and your punishment and my punishment so he can justify us therefore giving us peace. This is is mind-blowing stuff. And that the heart of the matter is we as people need peace with God. We need to know peace. We need to know God's peace. This week has demonstrated that our nation knows unrest right now. And perhaps that's the best way to to, uh, define your own soul. Unrest. COVID-19 alone has been a burden for all of us. We've known people who've been sick. You may have known people who've died. And there is an angst in your soul. Many of us have been home and we're restless. There is an angst to our soul. We saw George Floyd's killing and there's an angst in our soul. We've seen protests and there's an angst in our soul. We see rioting and looting and we feel angst. There is not peace in the souls of many. We need to know that God has made a way for peace with him first and foremost, which then portrays in peace with others horizontally. And that's what we're going to see here in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, that God has made a way for peace. Would you stand where you're at in your homes or wherever you're watching this live stream or listening as I read from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11? This is what God's word says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Can you say peace with God wherever you're at? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope. Praise God for hope. In hope of the glory of God. Watch this. Not only that, But we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die For a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love toward us in that. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we were reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And then verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready to open and dive into your word here, Lord, I pray that all of us who can hear my voice would have ears to hear and eyes to see you, God. Lord, this is not the word of Eric. God, I'm merely a messenger, but we submit ourselves unto, under the power and authority of the scriptures. And we say, Lord, teach us your way that we may walk in your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated wherever you're at. I want you to hear this good news today. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has purchased your peace, and you can walk in peace. I need you to hear today, if you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, and you are feeling the unrest of your soul, that God has also made a way for you to experience God's peace God's peace is something altogether different than we know. It is something quite radical, and God offers it to us. I want us to see this in verse 1, because this peace that is given to us is an outflow of something else. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to to the Roman people, says, Therefore, since we have now been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified or justification is a theological term that we've been sharing with you the last several weeks. In short, it means our ability to become right with God. We who are sinful people to the core, who have all kinds of evil in our hearts, and I'm the first among you, can, we can become right with God, not based on anything we do, but, became, but based on God's grace. And God says, you put your faith in me, then I will give you this right standing. And not only that, We can not only be in right standing with God, not enemies, but we can be at peace with God. We can have peace with God. Now, I want you to know something. This peace is offered to you, but it's not necessarily applied to you until you put your faith in Jesus. And I want to just show my cards here right quick, because nothing of what we're about to say is significant to you if you refuse to put your faith in Jesus. You just can't admire him from afar. You must experience him personally. Let me put it this way. Uh, Yesterday I saw this news report of a theme park in Europe who, of course, is closed because of the coronavirus. But what they wanted to do was continue to reach out to people who love their theme park. So what they did was they uh, they, they filled a roller coaster with these giant stuffed animal teddy bears, the kind of ones you see at Costco that cost like 200 bucks, like those ones. And every seat in the roller coaster was filled with one of these teddy bears. And then they put this camera on the front train of the roller coaster, and then the roller coaster went, which is actually pretty amusing because the teddy bears are moving just like any of us would, swaying side to side, head forward and back. It was pretty fun, pretty interesting, pretty amusing. But as I watched that and I laughed at it, I realized that's not the same as sitting where those teddy bears are sitting. Like, I can admire and be amused by this 
roller coaster from afar, but until I sit in the seat, I can't experience its fullness. This is what faith with God is like. And I don't know if you're saying amen at home, but you ought to be saying it right here. Because this is what God is saying. That we can see and admire Jesus and what he has done and the peace God offers from afar. But until we get up close and personal, until we sit in God's grace and believe in Jesus by faith, we will not experience the peace that he's offering us. You will not know peace apart from Jesus. So what I'm saying is, and I'm praying, is if you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, that today you would do that. And if you are already a Christian church, you can't let your faith waver. You can't let your faith go and be switched from side to side based on what you're watching on the news or seeing on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Your faith must be anchored in Jesus. That's what we need because that's where peace with God is. Now let me talk about peace with God. We see here in verse 1, we have peace with God. This is not, here, here Paul's not talking about the subjective feeling of peace, but the objective fact of peace. This is a world apart, church. He's not, let me say it again. He's not talking about the subjective feeling of peace, but the objective uh, fact of peace. You see, the feelings of peace can switch from day to day, from hour to hour, minute to minute, if you're like me, sometimes second to second, right? But the objective fact, the the position of peace that we have as children of God does not switch based on how we feel or based on what's going on around us. And what Paul is saying is Jesus offers objective fact fact kind of peace. It's peace you stand in that doesn't sway with the winds. This is significant. Yes, God offers also the feeling of peace, but when we're not walking with God or we're in our flesh, that can deviate. But what gets us back is not trying to muster up peace again, but remembering that we stand in peace. We can't obtain the feeling of peace without first obtaining the fact of peace, and peace with God comes through faith with Jesus. This is what God wants for us. Maybe you're watching this live stream today because you've seen the turmoil in society and you feel unrest and you're saying, I'm trying to get closer to God. I need peace. I need you to know that God wants to give you the position of peace. The position of peace. The position of peace with God assumes that beforehand you are not at peace with God. Uh, Let this also sink in. That apart from Jesus, until you put your faith in him, you actually are an enemy of God. And as I heard one commentator say, say it, enemies are not almost friends. Enemies are an altogether different camp than those who are friends or acquaintances. God's like, you weren't almost my friend. From your birth, you were also, you were my enemy. You were altogether different. But through Jesus, God's like, I'm going to make a way for you who were an enemy, different camp, become part of my family, adoption as daughters and son, peace with God. This is what we are all longing for at the end of the day. And Paul says, we have peace with God, notice how, through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way to experience peace in 2020 United States than through Jesus Christ our Lord. You will not experience his peace. 
Let me say this. Jesus is that bridge. Now, you all notice here, as we've been watching the, the news reports, we've seen how in downtown Chicago, those bridges that connect Canal Street to, to Wacker Drive over the Chicago River have been put up because of the different kinds of rioting. You've seen the images of all these bridges up, and it's quite the sight. And what the, the, the Chicago officials have said is they've realized that the rioting has posed such a problem that now they have to disconnect the bridge. And those bridges, that now because the bridges are missing, because of the problems, you cannot get access to the other side of that river. This is exactly what we're learning when we see what God is teaching us. See, our problem is not rioting. Our problem is sin. And sin has disconnected us from a relationship with God. It has prevented us from having access into God. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for your sin and my sin, those bridges were lowered, church. And he is saying, the way you walk that bridge is to walk by faith and to trust that I took your sin upon my shoulders to give you freedom and eternal life. And when you do that, you walk that bridge and you go from hostility to peace with God. He is that bridge. He is the access. He is the one who crosses us over that river, over that chasm called death. This is what Jesus has done. And Paul says, that's how we find peace with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. But what we're seeing throughout this passage is there are a lot of cause and effect relationships. And this is so fun to me because we were born in sin, cause. The effect, we will die in sin, wrath of God. God is good, cause, effect, he's going to go to the cross for you. Cause, Jesus went to the cross, effect, you could be forgiven. Cause, you could be forgiven, and effect, when you're forgiven, these things follow. Paul says this, When you are forgiven, when you have peace with God, that cause produces this effect. Verse 2, through him, we also, that's the effect, also obtain access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul's like, because of peace with God, because of Jesus, you also have access to God's grace to stand in that place. This is a position of, of confidence, not based on you, but on God's unmerited favor. We stand in grace and we hope in the glory of God. This is a beautiful picture because we are told in in Psalm 19, verse 1, that all creation declares God's glory. When we look to the stars, when we look to the heavens, when we look out at a sunrise or a sunset, we get a taste of God's glory and majesty displayed in creation. And we have a kind of longing that comes with that. When Jesus walked this earth, John 1.14 tells us that he was the glory of the invisible God. He demonstrated God. So we, we get these pictures of God and this glory of God, and we want that. But Romans 3.23 tells us that we fall short of God's glory. So which means what we see and what we long for on our own, we can't have anything to do with it. And what Paul is telling us here, what Jesus has done is corrected our sin problem bring in forgiveness so that we now not only can admire glory, but we can actually boast in it and experience it. We can rejoice in this very thing. This is the kind of peace that God offers in our day. But I think in our day, we would ask the same question that people would ask in Paul's day. Because if we say, God, that's great. I want your peace. But around me is no peace. And Paul's like, yeah, around you actually probably is suffering, isn't it? There's suffering 
around us and actually suffering in our own lives. The, the church in Rome was no different than what we're experiencing today. They were under the Roman rulership. Believers were under the Roman law. The, 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 the church of Jesus Christ was not accepted in Roman society until Constantine came in the year 300 for his own likely political gain. But the church was deemed as subversive, as a problem according to the emperor. Christians were called atheists, not because they denied the God of the heavens, but because they denied the deity of the emperor. Christians were called cannibals because they took communion, the flesh and blood of Jesus, symbolically. Christians were not well received, and therefore the believers in Rome did experience suffering. In fact, church history tells us that the Apostle Paul was executed in Rome along with Peter. Rome was not a place friendly to Christians. And so Paul goes on to address this, saying, God is offering you peace, and we can rejoice in the hope of God's glory. But you know what? I know you're experiencing suffering, and I want you to know you actually can rejoice in that as well. That, that's that's mind-blowing. Look what he says there in verse 3. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Notice the cause and effect. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Basically, what Paul is saying this, this hope of God's glory, this eternal hope we have is guaranteed because of the Holy Spirit. And we can enjoy and hope in that because of our suffering because our suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. This chain reaction typifies the Christian experience when we walk in God's peace in a world that is in uh, unrest and in chaos. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. You've heard people say, no pain, no gain, right? You've heard athletes say, that you, you, you can't grow in your endurance as an athlete until you experience the pain in your practice fields. One of my favorite things of watching the Last Dance documentary on the Chicago Bulls, uh, seeing Michael Jordan's, uh, his competitiveness. Uh, Michael Jordan is a competitive man. And what stuck out to me most was how hard, not how hard he played, but how hard he practiced. In fact, one clip that jumped out to me the most above all was when his team was running sprints, he was running faster than his teammates. Because he, as an athlete, understood that no pain, no gain. That until you experience the suffering of of practice, you can't enjoy the endurance and the game. Now, Michael Jordan needs Jesus, and we all need to be praying for him. But there's something to be learned in this kind of work ethic. And Paul is saying there is a parallel in our spiritual lives. When there is pain, there's an opportunity to grow. And when we grow, we can conform to Jesus. And this conforming produces character, which produces hope. And that's how we walk in God's peace. And this is something guaranteed through the Holy Spirit who anchors us down. You can have peace with God. Paul goes on to say that this peace with God is also a demonstration of God's love. And this is a source of comfort for us, knowing that not only is God giving peace to us, but that peace is a reflection of the fact that he loves us. He says in verse 6, while we were still weak, the word weak could be translated helpless. It could be 
It's, it's to pertain to experiencing some kind of incapacity or limitation. What Paul is saying is like, we had no capacity to come to Jesus. We were weak. But at the right time, verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly. So not only were we weak and helpless, we were also ungodly people. We violated God's standard. But this is what happened. That while some people may die for a good person, Jesus, we're told, dies for a sinful person. Verse 8, God shows his love, notice that his love for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has offered his peace as an expression of his love. God has shown his love through Jesus. Again, as we've watched the protest this week, uh, many times you'll hear news reports talk about the size of protests, the size of these crowds, the size of these demonstrations. And it seems to be the narrative, at least in our news networks, that the greater the size, the greater the demonstration, the more loudly the message. When we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, that is the greatest demonstration of love. Because we were people who could not achieve God's love. We were helpless. We did not deserve God's love. We were ungodly. And we weren't even asking for God's love. We were sinners. But God's demonstration was so profound that he shows the magnitude of his love, that he would die for people like us so far from him and so undeserving of his unconditional love. He would do that to give you and I peace. This peace is offered freely to you, but you've got to receive it. The other thing we see here about God's peace, not only is it offered to you, not only is it a demonstration of God's love, but God's peace is going to last. God's peace is going to last, church. Look what he says in verse 9. Since therefore we have been, now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. This wrath of God Paul's talking about is not wrath now, but a wrath that's coming later. God will pour out his wrath on humanity. But what Paul is saying is, because of the blood of Jesus, our future is secured as one of peace with God. That's, that's the kind of thing that's going to last. You see, peace without God is temporary at best. I, I think I need to say that again because I didn't hear any, any amens through the camera. Peace without God is temporary at best. But God's peace outlasts every other kind of peace. Paul uses this greater to lesser argument. Basically, he's like this. If Jesus was able to justify you by his blood, I mean, that, that's a big deal. Surely, he can save you from God's wrath. He goes on again. Secondly, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, in verse 10, by death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? He's like, if God can actually, through Jesus' death, make us at peace with him, surely he can save us by Jesus' resurrection. He's, basically, Paul's like, look, if God could do the lesser, he could do the greater. If God could do the greater, he could do the lesser. Basically, God is offering you a peace that's going to last and that's secure in heaven. No other peace is like this. I find it remarkable that Paul is writing to a Roman church who is experiencing and living underneath what is called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. 
You see, the Roman Empire prided themselves in the militaristic peace they had in their nation that spanned from from B.C. 27 to A.D. 180 or 196 or so. It was a kind of peace that came because they had conquered all the nations around the Mediterranean Sea. There was a Roman road that brought people around. There was a common language, the Latin language. There was peace in the land. And this Roman peace reaches our history books because it was a magnificent kind of peace. But it was a peace that came with a heavy hand. But it was also a peace that wasn't going to last. Because when Emperor Commodus came on the scene in the 190s and his wicked rule, Roman peace began to deteriorate. And what was prided and prized among the Roman people showed itself to be something that could not last. Our world's peace is that kind of peace. And Jesus knew it when he told his disciples in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. He's telling them, have peace. Because my peace will endure. You see, The peace of God is something that we are all longing for. And those who are protesting in the streets long for a peace in our nation, and that is a right thing to long for. Justice is a right thing to call for. Uh, Justice is a right thing to advocate for. We need to see systemic racism put put to an end. We need to see racism held accountable. We need to see this kind of peace uh, demonstrated in our nation. But church, we can't confuse at the same time thinking that that peace is going to last beyond the grave. Only God's peace can we enjoy now and will it last for eternity. This is what God has done for us. I want to tell you this thing. Because if we look at verse 11, Paul ends this little section saying, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul's like, look, man, if this ain't getting you to shout, I don't know what's going to get you to shout. He says, this, this, we rejoice in this kind of peace that God has offered. Let what we just read here cause you to erupt in praise. Uh, let it cause you to remember the fact that this peace has come through Jesus and it came at a cost. Let yourself remember that this peace is offered to you and is guaranteed to you. And as God causes you to walk in it, he's he's shaping and molding you. Let yourself remember and rejoice in praise at the idea that this peace is going to last for eternity. That's what Paul is saying. But I want us to understand something about this word reconciliation with God, this being at peace with God. You see, the book of Romans is 16 chapters. Romans chapters 1 through 11 are heavy on doctrine. They are rich in theology. That's why he said this is doctrine. This is doctrine. This is good stuff. But we've also said this is doctrine that dances. You see, right doctrine is called orthopraxy, right belief. But orthopraxy or right theology or right belief is not meant to simply remain in our minds because doctrine is made to dance. Doctrine is made to cause our lives to now respond to it. And so Romans 1 through 11 are heavy on theology, but Romans 12 through 16 are heavy on practice. We call that orthopraxy, right belief, right, I mean right living. 
And so basically what Romans teaches us is that we need to believe the right thing, but not just to believe it in and of itself. We believe the right things about Jesus. We believe the gospel in order to live as a result of that gospel. It is a both and not an either or. Romans is a letter. It was written to people to be read aloud in one sitting. Yes, it should be studied, but we need to understand it as a whole. So the doctrine taught in Romans 5 about peace with God should produce in a lifestyle later on taught in chapters 12 through 16. And so what I want to point you to is how Paul's teaching here is applied in Romans 12. Romans 12 verses 14 to 21 teach us that reconciliation with God should produce a pursuit of reconciliation with other people. You see, this vertical affects our horizontal relationships. And so this is why the church needs to be prophetic and vocal in our day. Because people are trying to get the horizontal without the vertical. And so we're saying, come to Jesus, walk in his peace. And church, now let's walk in peace with each other. Paul says this in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Our world needs this. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Boy, we need that. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, hear this, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all, so far as it depends on you, which means you pursue peace. You may not control how others will respond, but you have control by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you based on what you're going to do. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, church, but overcome evil with good. The good that we overcome evil by, yes, requires our lives, our teaching, our voice, our vocalness. But let's not be mistaken. Let's not forget what we're aiming for here, church. We want to walk with peace with God and let that peace cause us to advocate and pursue peace with others. Church, today, our nation needs us to be the voice of Jesus, to be salt and light, to not tolerate evil or brush it by or not address it. The world needs to see the church speak out with courage about the things that grieve the heart of God. The world needs to see the church love God so much that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Church family, there is a peace that you can know, and it's a peace that lasts. Let's walk in faith, let's receive it by faith, and let's tell others about it. Father in heaven, we come before you, and we know that what we are up against as a church in this society is a daunting thing. But Lord Jesus, you said, in this world you'll face trials of many kinds, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. 
And so, Lord, we strive to be faithful. We preach Christ crucified, his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. And, Lord, we want our lives to reflect that gospel truth that we believe. Father, are there any who are here listening to me in this live stream? Maybe they're listening later on this week. I pray, Lord, that they would raise their white flag and not be those who are watching from afar, but to sit next to you by faith and experience your peace and your forgiveness up close and personal. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. There's nothing like the name of our God. Church family, would you give him a hand clap and a voice and shout of praise wherever you're at today. Will we give God the glory and praise that he deserves? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that we can rest in you, God. When our world feels so slippery and chaotic, there is peace in you. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to listen to you. Teach us to rest in you, God. Oh, Lord, may we be your seasoning in this world. May we be your salt. May we be your light as we go out this week. We love you so much, oh God, and we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, before we uh, dial off here, church family, I just want to remind you about our real community discipleship gathering starting in two weeks. Be ready for that. Ask questions about it. Talk to your real community leaders about it. I can't wait for it. Uh, begin even next week start meeting up do some watch parties in your home for our live streams and begin that the opportunity to gather together with right social distancing parameters but let's 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 get this rolling here uh, I'm, I'm thirsty for that if if you're like me man I, I hope we can get that rolling again if you're interested in serving with the uh, Steinmetz graduation on Tuesday let me know or just show up to Steinmetz at 8 a.m. let me give you this blessing church family from God's word the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Peace. Go out in his peace, a peace that's going to last. God bless you, church family.